Welcome, welcome to the Blitz, where we're talking news, highlights, and fantasy from around the National Football League. Now, live from Baltimore, it's Brett Blum and Nate Pachado. Fellas, take it away. Here we go, here we go. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to episode number 15 of the Blitz. This is a rainy Friday in Baltimore. And if you haven't noticed already, Brett did not do the intro because I am solo today. Brett is unavailable today, which is A-OK. It is also his 23rd birthday, so happy birthday, Brett. Hope you're having a good one. We'll see you next week for the first episode of the week on Monday. But I figured, like I said, it's a rainy Friday. It's a little ugly outside. Can't really do much, right? So why not talk a little Ravens football? I am a couple days late. Uh, We were supposed to record as usual on Wednesday. Uh, Some technicalities came up. Same with Thursday. But here I am, Friday. Again, I'm solo, but I'm here to talk. And I think it's as good as time to ever to talk about that Ravens-Steelers game on Wednesday. A rare Wednesday game, may I say. We lost. It was 19-14. You know, there was a lot. There was 18 starters missing. Um... So never really expected going into that game to win it. I mean, I did say last episode I was a little bit optimistic. We almost did. We were so we stayed in it. Um, I, I, you can't say this often with like a loss, right? I'm sitting here on a Friday. I've had a couple days to think about it now since Wednesday. After the game ended on Wednesday, I was sitting in my chair, just thinking to myself. I was like, I, I kind of, I felt good about a loss. And I don't you never usually say you'll feel good about a loss because a loss either means your team didn't execute, some things went wrong, you know, yada yada, it just didn't go your way. You didn't execute how you wanted. I would argue despite the loss, that with 18 starters missing, your starting quarterback gone, a rotational offensive line, a defense that for the most part was healthy minus the defensive line, a 5-point loss to a team that is now 11 and 0 is not too bad. It is not too bad. And let's take into account the Ravens up until, what was it, the two minutes left in the game, were in the, were, were essentially they had a chance to get the ball back. So Trace McSorley, as we all saw, comes in for the injured RG3 in the fourth, hits Marquise Hollywood-Brown for a 70-yard touchdown, which is insane. That, that was, that, you know, that's just, we love to see that. That's, uh, <laughs> I don't think you draw that one up in the playbook. Whoever was covering Hollywood Brown just completely went for the hit and and just whiffed, completely missed him, and he was gone. He was off to the races after that. And at that point, you're looking at a 19 to 14 game. Like I said, about two minutes, two minutes ish left. I would say the Steelers have the ball around 20 yard line, and the defense has played exceptionally the entire game. So at this point. We're all thinking, we have a chance to stop them. Like, uh, we believe in the defense. They can pull this off right here. We'll get the ball back. We even get it to a third down, nonetheless. And all it took, unfortunately, to bail the Steelers out was all-out pressure from the Ravens' defense. Gets to Ben Roethlisberger. Forces him to throw up. Uh, it's almost, it's like a 10-yard, 11-yard Hail Mary, essentially. James Washington of the Steelers makes an unbelievable catch. Let's not even take that away from him. In triple, almost quadruple coverage. And that essentially secures the game for the Steelers. But I'm looking at it like, 
if that's what it took, if that 11-yard Hail Mary in quadruple coverage is what it took for the Steelers just to finish that game against the Ravens team that is not only 18 starters gone, but is on their third-string quarterback, that has to be a positive. If that isn't if that isn't a, like a showing of just a great team effort, I don't I don't know what is. I I don't think there's anything you can take away from that game. And be like we should have performed there better because hey, we had backups and we had to keep expectations reasonable. We knew Lamar wasn't out there. We knew we weren't going to get twenty plus. When you have RG three out there who's running read option for a majority of the game, somehow it's working. I don't know what the Steelers defense was planning on for that. When that was working, and eventually he got going, obviously, the hamstring injury hampered him. I mean, you have to feel good that the Ravens' offense, for what it was that game, produced exceptionally well against the number one defense in the NFL, which I think is overrated, but that's that's something we can get to later. I, I just think you have to feel good. I, I don't... Uh, I mean, you, you look at this game. Going into this game, obviously everyone's written us off, and rightfully so. I mean, I'll say it again and again and again. I'm going to harp on this. We were missing 18-plus starters. I I don't think anyone expected us to go in there and put up a fight. I would say most people expected a blowout. And again, reasonably so. We're we're missing a starting quarterback who's an MVP. It was essentially the entire offense, right? He's the conductor of that offense. If he's not out there... The offense is, it's, I mean, it's what we saw Wednesday. It's not good. It got the, it kind of almost got the job done, but it's not good. And let's not even beat around the bush here. We all know this by now, but our wide receiver core is, is one of the worst in the league. I don't, I don't think you can expect anybody, especially Lamar, even though, I mean, especially not even Lamar, RG3, even Trace McSorley. I mean, you just, if it's tough for Lamar to find, find space for his guys to get into to make those passes, there's no way you can expect RG3 or Trace McSorley to go out there and make, you know, and just light it up. We we said this, me and Brett have said this on almost every episode. We we will just keep saying this every episode too because it's it, you know, it probably won't change for a little bit. Hopefully it changes this next season with a uh off-season acquisition at the wide receiver position, you know, mainly uh, Allen Robinson would be great. But let's not get too far ahead of ourselves, right? Let's let's still focus on now. So our current wide receiver one is Marquise Brown, as we all know. He's 5'9", struggles to get separation. We've seen in the past few games his struggle to catch the ball. Steelers game, you know, he kind of made up for it. But even that touchdown there was almost just a broken play by their defense. They just they He missed the tackle. That, you know, he still would have caught the ball for a good amount of yards, but he, if he gets tackled, that's not a touchdown. If that's just simple, you know, if the, if the, defend, if the defender doesn't try to go for a huge hit on Marquise... It's still, I get it, it's a catch. Maybe he does drop it, who knows. But, you know, we can't point at that as like the moment, oh, Marquise has turned around, he just got a 75-yard touchdown. We still have a wide receiver too, Willie Sneed, who at this point actually might be our best receiver. He seems to be the most reliable at least. You have Miles Boykin, who he just can't seem to get in sync with Lamar or seem to run the correct route half the time. He's great at run blocking. That's what he's out there for. And then you have projects like Devin Duvernay and James Prochet, who they, they've they looked good. I don't think there's anything wrong with them. They've looked fine. They're rookies. You can't really judge them as of right now. And let's not forget Des Bryant, another typical Ravens signing, I would say, in terms of wide receiver. 32 years old, definitely a little past it, but 
you know what? He offered something in that Tennessee game, and I can't slate him for that. As long as he's producing and helping in some form, I'm going to take it, right? Because, like I said, our current wide receiver core, it's not like it's the uh, deepest in the league by any means. I, it's if Going forward, right, I don't know how how you can address it, obviously, for this season. It's just something we're going to have to deal with. We're going to have to get over it. Our wide receiver core is not good. But we run the ball more anyways. It just it, it sucks that we can't develop the passing game more because our run game is so good that if we did have, you know, a wide receiver one like Allen Robinson, who I'm kind of preaching for, hoping for for next year, it, it would just be unbelievable because the run game opens up the pass. And the problem is, even when the run game opens up the pass, our wide receivers still can't get the separation they need. So, you know, there's there's a couple things going on there. But let me talk about the run game a little bit, too, from this game. I mean, obviously, like I said, it's the best part of our game. There's no denying that. Uh, arguably, one of the, the best rushers of this game was Robert Griffin III. We saw the Steelers completely commit on read option, just stopping the running back, which, you know, I can't say I, I would disagree with. I think going into that game... If you're part of that Steelers defense, you're that defensive coordinator, you would be saying to your guys, all right, let's be honest, guys. We're, we're facing RG3. He's mobile, but he's not Lamar Jackson. He's in his 30s now, injury prone. Let's just stop Gus Edwards or whoever's out there, Justice Hill, before we even you know focus on letting RG3 run. That's, that, that shouldn't be a concern, which actually almost came to bite them in the butt because RG3 was, like I said, probably the most successful runner we had out there uh, on that game. We saw it on a third and 11, a uh, quarterback keeper, read option, whatever it was, RG3 ran for, God, it was like 30-something yards. I felt like I was watching RG3 with the uh, Washington football team there. Looked like prime RG3. It was a thing to behold, man, I'll tell you. But, you know, obviously that wasn't going to last all game. The Steelers were eventually going to, you know, they're going to adapt to that. They're not going to let RG3 run all over him. That's just not going to happen. And it seemed right as RG3 started to click, unfortunately. Came up with a hamstring injury. It sucks to see. That obviously limited him for most of the game before eventually we had to go to Trace at the end of that game. Uh, I saw after the game RG3 felt that the Ravens could have won if he stayed in, which I get it. He was playing well before he got hurt. But at the end, I don't, I don't know. He still, even with his, uh, his heroics running the ball, his passing game was just putrid. I mean, again, it didn't help that he didn't have anybody getting open for him. But, and also that he had, maybe the, there's some other things that led to his bad passing game, um, like him having, you know, one to two seconds in the pocket. But even when he did have the passes, he was, he wasn't hitting them. I think he threw, God, I don't know, eleven, twelve times, um, completed maybe five of them. It wasn't a it wasn't a great day there passing. Um, sorry, he had seven for sixty eight. Seven for sixty eight. So he was seven for twelve. Oh no, I apologize. That is that is not even. So he's seven for twelve, thirty three yards. The sixty eight took into account his total with rushing. I am I apologize. So he had sixty eight rushing yards. Like I said, he was the leading rusher for the Ravens on Wednesday. Uh, next was thirty five was Justice Hill. So obviously leaning on a. Robert there a little bit. Surprised Gus didn't see more action, by the way. Gus Edwards. 9 for 10. The Steelers were limiting him, which was uh, shocking. I thought coming into this game, Gus would just be the workhorse guy. He would be getting every run. Um, and it turned out Justice got more carries. So. Right, well, they got even, but he got more yards. I, I don't know. It was still it was a little strange to me. I thought Gus would have a little more success because he ran all over them the first matchup this, uh, this year. But it's whatever. RG3 took the workload. He did his thing. 68 yards. 
like I said, seven for 12 passing, only 33 yards and an interception. Um, a pick six that, you know, you can definitely argue now it won the, the Steelers the game. If that doesn't happen, the Ravens have the lead in, in the fourth quarter, and you never know what happens from there. I mean, it's it's RG3 kind of did what he could. It, the pick six is the one thing you're just, you got to look on, and you're like, I, I feel like, like bringing in your backup, pretty much no practice the entire week because of COVID. This whole game's delayed. We already know that story. You almost, you got to tell him, like, just don't, you know, don't do anything stupid. Like, just manage the game. Don't force anything. If you don't see anything, throw it away. You know, if nothing's open, scramble if you have to. And the Steelers brought pressure on that pick six. He, Joe Hayden just absolutely jumps the route. It was one, RG3 never made any progression reads that entire play. He's He just looked down. I think it was Prochet, it might have been, who came back on a curl route, like a 10-yard curl. He just stared at him the whole time, right? He didn't even <laughs> didn't even attempt to look at any other reads. He was committed to that 10-yard curl. Joe Hayden being the pro bowler that he is, all he had to do was watch RG3's eyes, and he's staring straight at Prochet the entire play. Jumps it, pick six. Six nothing with a Boswell missed extra point. Uh, I, I mean, in terms of live reaction, obviously very upset, pissed off. Like I said, it, you're... <laughs> As a fan, I mean, you kind of expect RG3 just to, you know, not mess it up. Just kind of, you know, do your thing. Just don't, like I said, don't do anything stupid. Live reaction, I was, out. yeah, I was upset. Um, <laughs> I, It's just, I don't know. It, like I said, I'll keep saying, I'm going to say it like a thousand times, but just don't do anything stupid there. And he, he did something stupid. Didn't make any reads in that, you know, results in a pick. A couple days later, though. I'm still pissed. I don't think anything changes. Like you just, it's it's upsetting. It's whatever though. We'll move on. Um, six nothing at that point. Ravens defense. I I mean I I'll keep praising them this entire episode. That was probably the best game they played the entire year, and they were missing an entire defensive front. And uh, some injuries, obviously, with Jimmy Smith going out, so they had to bring in Tremont Williams and I believe his name is Devonte Harris, who both actually had great games stepping in. So. Uh, if Jimmy Smith misses this Dallas Cowboys game coming up Tuesday night, not at all worried. I think they'll be able to step in. So as I was saying, most of the, the, this game came down to defensive stops. They they were the only reason we stayed in this game. That's not even a question. And the Ravens' first real opportunity on the Steelers' side of the field came from the defense-slash-special teams, right? Devontae Harris, the man I was just praising, absolutely runs down the field, sprints down the field, Blows by his man on this punt from Sam Cook. Absolute bomb, by the way. Ray Ray McLeod, the Steelers punt returner. No fair catch. He I, he just doesn't have that sixth sense, I guess, in that play to realize there's a man running straight at him. <laughs> Very close. Gets absolutely just, I mean, he gets hit. He gets hit pretty big. Fumbles the ball. Anthony Levine, special teams hero. Makes the recovery. Ravens are cooking inside the 20 of the Steelers. And from this point, it's almost if they don't score, it's like, all right, this game's not going to go in our favor in any way. But they do. They take advantage of it. The Ravens take advantage of it. They get the touchdown. And you're feeling good at this point. You're up 7-6 to on the Steelers. Gus Edward runs it right down the middle. You know, this looks like the game plan that, that, that everybody kind of expected. And those are the breaks in the game, especially when you're missing this many starters you need to have happen. And it did. Steelers get a field goal in the second quarter, make it 9-7. to Again, defense holding this team to just field goals. Red zone defense was unbelievable. That's all you can ask for. 
They get another field goal later in the quarter for uh, four minutes twenty-seven. What's uh, this is the the part that still pains me. This is gonna. I'm sure most Ravens fans is still just kind of you know, ticks off a noise, whatever you want to say. As we know, Ravens have an incredible drive at the end of the second quarter. It it was it was mind blowing. This is the RG three thirty whatever yard run on a third and eleven that you know we all thought the the drive was dead. Sealers getting the ball back again before half might get another field goal. It, after that run by RG3, it just something clicked. Everybody was feeling it. We ran the ball. We passed the ball. We did everything. And we get down to the one-yard line of the Steelers. No timeouts left at this point. We used them. About 20-something seconds left, 22, 26, 25, somewhere around there. So you know the Ravens have to have a couple plays drawn up before they even snap the first play, right? No timeouts. You need to execute. If you get stuffed to the line, you got to get back and going. First play is a halfback dive straight up the middle, gets stuffed. Right, so it's time to hurry up. Steelers, uh, this is probably the most controversial moment of the game. Just appear to lay on Gus Edwards and don't let him up, and this killed 18 seconds off the clock. No delay game called on the Steelers, which it should have been. There, <laughs> you just you can't lay on the opposing team to kill 18 seconds and not even attempt to get up, right? Or at least an injury timeout. Even though obviously the Steelers player wasn't hurt, he's laying there. He's not getting up. There's got to be something called, but no, there was nothing. Nothing called. 18 seconds off the clock. Ravens have to snap the ball with six seconds left. Time's running. No spike, right? They don't want to take the three points, which I get. I get it. In this game, where you're down starters, you need a win. You're on the one. You might as well make something happen, right? A play action, Luke Wilson, the tight end, runs out right, runs a little short post the corner of the end zone. RG3 hits him. I mean, he puts it where only he could get it. In an almost a Lee Evans-esque Patriots AFC Championship game drop, hits him in the hands, and he just doesn't bring it in. I mean, it's a catch you have to make. You know if Mark Andrews is, is on that route, on that field, he makes that play. Luke Wilson drops it. Heartbreak. Score is 12 to 7 going in at half. It it was you'd have to imagine the Ravens executing and Luke Wilson catches that ball. There's just momentum all in favor of the Ravens. And you gotta feel good coming out of half. Even then, still did feel good. You're only down twelve to seven against an undefeated team with majority of your starters out. You can't really feel that bad. You weren't expecting to be up anyways. It would have been nice, obviously, but you know, didn't happen. So you can't look back on it. Third quarter starts, Ravens defense does its thing, gets a three and out. I mean, it was it was just it was clicking. There's no like everybody executed well. There was no no real moment in the game where I was like, oh, the defense could have done better. They just they played well every every drive, every play they executed. They did what they could. Offense, I mean, like I said, it, third quarter was just a stall. Like they offense literally did absolutely nothing the entire third quarter. I don't think there was anything of note the entire time. It was just it was coming down to the defense for the Ravens, just continuously forcing the Steelers to punt. No scoring in the third quarter. Comes down to the fourth. Dramatic Ravens-Steelers game, as it always is. In what appears to be the game-ending touchdown, Juju Smith from Ben Roethlisberger. Hey, uh, a little short out route. Makes it 18-7. Boswell puts it through for 19-7. That's with 13 minutes left. I think most people, most Ravens fans at that point, pretty much conceded, you know, this is this the dream is over. It doesn't look too good. 
My myself also, you know, obviously I was like, this is this is done. I, I didn't expect anything to happen. I didn't feel down or anything because, again, even at this point, I was still like, the Ravens put up one heck of a fight. Like, I can't feel bad about this. No expectations coming into this game. Even losing this game, we know if they run the table and win out, which is, you know, it's entirely possible. They, they'll most likely still make the playoffs. Two minutes and 58 seconds on the clock. This is at the point when Trace McSorley comes in. The Ravens' third-string uh, quarterback. Yeah, at this point, all expectations are out the window. It's just like, you know, let's just, you know, make sure we don't throw a pick six and make this ugly. He hits Hollywood Brown on, I don't even know, it's like a 10, 15-yard curl. He just he hits him straight in the chest. Steelers player completely whiffs, and Hollywood takes it 70 yards in. I, I, this is, I mean, in typical, like I said, Raven-Steelers fashion, Tucker puts it through. It's a five-point game all of a sudden. Two minutes left. Ravens defense has a chance to make the stop. And like I said earlier, obviously, didn't happen. Steelers get a third down, like 11-yard Hail Mary, essentially, and it, it it saves them. It saves the game for them. It's, uh, it's, I don't know. It's, I, I don't know, like, how much I can harp on this. Like, I, I can't feel, I'm not upset. I don't feel bad about this. I don't think there's any real negative to like take away from this. I mean, let, let's just think like if you if you're being honest with yourself, what expectations did you have coming into this? Did you did you expect the Ravens to keep this within five? I don't think many people would have guessed that. Did you expect RG three to rush for almost seventy yards? I didn't expect that. Did you expect the Ravens defense, who was missing an entire front seven, to hold the Steelers to only one touchdown? and forcing Ben Roethlisberger to pass over 50 times to beat, let's keep saying it, a depleted Ravens team. I didn't expect that. I, I don't. <laughs> there's no expectations, and, and what came out of this game was I was overall just impressed. I, I loved what I saw. And you have to imagine if the Ravens take the same fight, the same you know fire in their belly to this Dallas Cowboys game and start this five-game stretch, with Dallas, Cleveland, Jacksonville, New York, and Cincy, you have to imagine they're they got to be favorites to win all the. I mean, if if they're coming out fighting every game with their starters like they did against that Pittsburgh team, you got to feel good. If that defense plays like it did, that is, I mean, they look better than the number one defense out there. That is the true number one defense in the NFL when they're fully healthy and they're playing like that. And that's not even close. It's not even a question. Marlon Humphrey is one of the best cornerbacks in football. It's not said enough, and it needs to be said continuously holds wide receivers whoever he covers number ones when whatever team he holds them to little to no yards you know occasionally give up a play here and there who doesn't but he's a stud linebacker core patrick queen lj fort they did uh, patrick queen's still a rookie you're gonna expect mistakes from him but when he does play well he plays extremely well lj fort again a pickup from last year that was essentially just kind of a plug and play just in hopes that he would play better than the, the the current linebacker core we had last year. He's doing what I mean, he's doing his he's a veteran, provides experience in the middle of that field, and he's he just plays well. Like there's not he's not a pro bowler by any means. You know, he's not gonna be a Hall of Famer, but he plays what he fills his position and he does what he needs to, and he does it with maximum effort. And that's really all you can ask for. The defensive line again, this is where we were really missing pieces. No Clayus, no Brandon Williams. Relying on guys like Broderick Washington. Um and honestly, my in terms of like if there's an MVP for effort, I don't even I don't even know if that's like a thing, but 
my MVP for effort of that game is Derek Wolf. He was the one big player left on that D-line that was not Clay's Campbell or Brandon Williams, and he played unbelievably well. He, I think he, I mean, he at that point, he knew he was the only big defensive lineman they had. He was the one healthy big guy they had, and he did his job, and he did it extremely well. He was the driving force. I think he was almost like the energy level that everybody else had to match on that Ravens defense. And he just played out of his mind. I have to applaud Derek Wolf. That was the best he's played all year. And I guess, like I said, if he if he and can other starters can bring that same energy and just that style of Ravens, you know, aggressive defense, swarm the ball, don't let up anything, punch him in the nose. This Ravens defense is his number one defense for the rest of the year. And we're looking at a serious run here. If this Ravens team managed to get into the playoffs, I, I expect a run. I it's still, again, this is early. We're still six and five. I still believe we do make the playoffs. I believe we run the table at the end of the year. I think we get hot at the right time. But it still comes down to even let's let's look a little bit ahead. Can you beat Kansas City? I at this point I'm still still not sure. I, the one thing you need to beat Kansas City is the run game, which we have. There's only so much you can really do to stop their offense. It's not even stop its limit because they're gonna they're guaranteed twenty plus a game, twenty five plus even, almost even thirty plus a game. Like they're they're close to guaranteed. So it's a matter of can you limit them, right? Can you hold them to under what they usually average? Can you hold them to twenty one? And I I I do think this defense has that potential. If like I said, if they play this well the rest of the year, they have the potential to do that. There's no question about that. But let's get there first, all right? I'm I'm over <laughs> I'm overstepping here. Let's let's get to that point first. Let's earn that right. And I think we will earn that right. I think this team has shown in that last game they want to earn that right and they think they deserve it. I think they deserve it. I think they're good enough to deserve it. But it's a matter of if they can put these wins together because you better believe if they're losing to I don't know, Giants, Jacksonville, Cincy, I, I mean, I doubt Cincy will, will lose. Even the Cowboys, I think the Cowboys and the Browns are the, I think easily the two toughest games we have in the stretch. If we don't beat either, we don't deserve it, right? I mean, even if we lose one game, we're pretty much out. So we have to win. But I think they, they can do it. They have the guys, they have the mentality. They're, they're once again almost where Ravens fans have always been, where we kind of like to see us, we're the underdog. Right? We're not that 14-2 and one seed of last year where, Oh, uh, we're the you know we're the top guy. Everybody wants to beat us. We're back where we're used to with Joe Flacco in those seven years of continuously making playoffs. We're the underdog. Nobody expects us to do anything. I mean, at this point, rightfully so. It's not like we've played exceptionally well or anything. But I would argue that last game, the Steelers game, that's that's the change. We didn't win. If we win, that's a completely different story, um, and we're feeling even better. But I still feel fine. I after that game. There's no doubt in my mind we're going on a run. There is a fire I saw on that team that I have not seen the entire year. I'm not saying by any means it's, you know, it's Super Bowl time, get out the uh, the parade, let's get ready. No, let, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Let's make the playoffs first, right? But if we do turn the season around, if we do run the table, if we do finish 11-5, and five, you got to feel pretty darn good about our chances. I, at that point, if you run the table and you're feeling that hot at the end of the season, I don't think there's a team you're really you're you're worried of facing. Obviously, the Chiefs there's going to be some nerves. We haven't still beaten them. We're owing to against Patrick Mahomes and that ridiculous offense with Lamar. But I, you have to feel pretty good. 
especially if Lamar, if he elevates his game like he did the second half of last season. Not saying he's going to match, you know, an MVP level numbers. That's already far gone out of the question. He's regressed a little bit this year, but we never expected him to throw 36 touchdowns again and have, you know, a ridiculous amount of rushing yards. That obviously regression was going to happen. He was never going to have a historic year again. That they're called historic years for a reason. They don't usually happen, right? But if he does half of what he did, if he does, just if he manages the game, limits turnovers. And does his thing, which is running the ball, play action. It, you're, we're we're good. We're fine. We're not going to be close to that team of last year, you know, spanking teams with forty-two points, thirty-eight points. It's not. No, we're not going to do that. We're going to beat teams by maybe a possession or two. It's going to be ugly. It's Ravens football. We don't expect it to be pretty. Last year was pretty football. I'll be honest. It was fun to watch. We're not going to. We're not going to usually see that. That's not our style of football. We like our, our seven point, ten point, heck six point win sometimes. Comes down to last second for no reason. Didn't have to. But we'll still win it. It's a win's a win. A win's a win. Excuse me. I feel pretty good. I, I I feel pretty good. We're playing Dallas next week. Tuesday night. Andy Dalton at quarterback has our number. No guaranteed win. Let's not let's not pretend it is. That Dallas offense is still very dangerous. But if we play half the game we played against the Steelers, Zeke is not going to be a factor. Their O-line is now worse than the uh, the Steelers, sorry, with missing most of their starters. Wide receiver core is the one thing that, that you know scares me a little bit. They still have Amari Cooper, CeeDee Lamb, Michael Gallup. They got targets. Let's not, let's not act like they don't. And Zeke is still Zeke. Let's not act like Ezekiel Elliott's not still a top running back because he is. They have weapons. But I trust our secondary. I trust our healthy D-line that will be back. I think we'll be fine. Offense should be able to run all over this Dallas Cowboys defense. It is not good. It is one of the worst in the NFL. They can't stop the run. They can't stop the pass. I mean, they can't stop anything. We should be fine, like theoretically, right? We should be fine. But let's see if we are. We'll, I think it all starts next Tuesday. I expect to see a win. I'm excited, though. There's 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 some optimism still left with the 6-5 and five season. I'm very excited. And I think with that, I'll leave it here on episode 15. It's been fun talking to you. We will see you again. Brett will be back, too, for our Monday edition of The Blitz. It'll be episode 16. We'll be previewing a little bit more in-depth on this Dallas game. And hopefully we will uh, come back to you Wednesday with a little recap of a win. We'll see, though. So everybody have a good rest of your week and we will see you next Monday. Not again. It's a red stick.